welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show. I'm Dustin Nation, and we are live at Three Nations Brewery in Carrollton, Texas, for our season review show. We've got the whole crew here, a couple of our friends out in the audience. Uh, to my right, he's a co-host on Uncle Sam's American Soccer Podcast, the FC Dallas beat writer for Pro Soccer USA, and a contributor to the Dallas Morning News. He's interviewed countless professional players, staff, and even the commissioner of the MLS. I said the MLS, of MLS. But he's probably most well-known for writing an article on the fashion choices of a rookie soccer coach. How's it going, Armand? It's going good. It's nice and loud at this brewery, but uh, I'm excited. I know last year I actually didn't have my voice. Uh, and I actually drove straight from Austin to do your to do your show last year. I wasn't a co-host or anything, but you know, this time it feels good, so I'm excited. What can change in a year? In a year, we, we, signed, we signed Armand. They that's, signed me to a homegrown contract. You know how that's it is. Right. All right, and to Armand's right, originally from Culver City, California, he spent four years in the FC Dallas De- Development Academy, where he won a U16 national championship in 2016, the Dallas Supergroup in 2017. These days, he's the captain of the inaugural USL League One champions, North Texas SC. He's Breck Evans. How's it going, Breck? Good. How are you? Pretty good. So, you guys won a championship. What are you up to now? Uh, I'm, we're still training, actually. We have uh, one more week of training until the official off-season. I guess it's still off-season training now, but um, yeah, just still still putting the work in. Still going hard, so... So, Has the championship hangover kind of uh, calmed down a little bit? Yeah, I think uh, maybe two weeks ago when we got our feet grounded again and kind of got back to back to earth. Um, yeah. We, we, we now going back when we, when we first talked, Breck. I mean, you, you talked about how Lucci came up to you, you know, after the, uh, you know after a year at Cal Poly and talked about how he wanted you to join the second team. Uh, you know, what, what, what was that like, you know, that initial you know, conversation with Lucci when he was supposed to be the coach of North Texas to say, hey, look, I want you to join North Texas. Like, how'd you take that? Um, very, very honorably. Lucci was my coach from back in the time in the academy for a season. Um, so we had a previous relationship uh, before that. And uh, I sort of realized that this would have been the, the best pathway to play for the first team eventually. Um, you know, you see more and more of the college game, you know, players going four years, their stock isn't really as high. And for me personally, I was kind of, the college game wasn't for me. I wanted to be playing all, all year round. Um, so when he when he presented that opportunity to me, I was really, really happy um, and, you know, jumped on the opportunity. So let's uh, let's hearken you back to when you first started playing soccer and, and you first started making des- career decisions. Um, you're the you're the center back for North Texas, one of the center backs for North Texas. Right. See, what what attracted you to playing defense? Um, I played a lot of center mid when I was younger, and then defensive mid, and then like I hit a growth spurt, played a little center back, and then went out played left back and. For the first two years in the academy, I was a left back, and then I grew again, like to to the height, like six three, six four, where I am now. And Lucci was my coach at the time, and when I was like coming back from an injury, he had said that they, that the coaching staff and him, they they see more of a future as a center back because of my height, and um, 
number of other things. Um, so that that's how the transition sort of started. So I wasn't always a center back. How, how much did you grow? Like Four, those two, those two growth spurts. Five, how much were they? Five inches or so. When I think I was a freshman in high school, yeah, I grew a lot. Yeah, yeah, because I haven't grown at all. So I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, but look, you mean you kind of touched, you kind of touched upon it, uh, talking about how like you know more people are going professional by not playing college, by you know, uh, you know, going to the academy and trying to get a contract with the first team. But can you go a little bit deeper in that decision? Like, why did you decide to go? Uh, you know, with North with North Texas instead of you know sticking out in college and maybe staying for a couple more seasons. Um, well, I was I was weighing options of like transferring of um, staying at Cal Poly or signing with the second team. And uh, I mean, even now I'm still getting my degree online through Southern New Hampshire. It's not like I'm out of school completely. Um, but just from a soccer standpoint, I've always known that I wanted to play professional, and when the opportunity arose it it made the most sense for me and you know when you love to do something it's really hard with the college season is from late august until i mean a lot of teams are done right now the teams that didn't make the playoffs so um wanting to play a full season 10 months out of the year is was huge for me and my development and i think i've definitely made the right decision in terms of um, the, the type of player and the caliber of player that I am today compared to if I would have stayed. I want to I want to go back a little bit and talk about your growth spurt. So I, Armand's in my way. If you can't you can't see us here, but like Armand's leaning into a mic and I can't see. Anyways, uh, so I recently interviewed Reggie Cannon uh, or Reggie Cannon's mom. And he said that at the age of eight, he was eating two Chipotle burritos in one sitting. Is that something that is normal? to a young and strapping aspiring professional soccer player yeah yeah i definitely eat a lot of food for sure yeah i I can go through two burrito bowls at chipotle pretty easily no tortillas though what with tortillas tortillas? no i I prefer the bowl okay i could probably do it though (laughs) that's impressive now going into you know your seasons eric quills first season two as professional as a professional coach and chris richards parents and uh you know chris caps parents they always talk about how great of a coach uh, Coach Quill is. Uh, can you speak? Like, can you talk about Coach Quill and what he what he's done for you this season? Like, yeah, I, I mean, I can definitely attest to what they're saying, and I think that uh, playing under Coach Quill, training under him the whole year, he's very demanding, um, and gets gets the best out of the players. You know, we've had a a rotating team with first team guys, second team guys like me, and then a lot of academy players sort of rotating and. Uh, Coach Eric was able to to mesh things together and get the best out of the squad, even though every single weekend there's completely different players. Um, and, you know, as a coach, that's that's not easy at all, um, especially in the professional game. You need to really, more so than the youth game, is man management, managing the egos of young 20-something-year-olds um, who maybe think that they're too good or are having confidence issues, whatever it may be. Um, I think he did a great job in his first season. As you can see, we won the trophy. And, yeah, I can I can attest to that. I think he has a very bright future as a coach. So you, you touched on man management a little bit. You're the, you're the captain of the team. What, what, does the, what are the responsibilities of the captain? Like, what, do you, what does that mean to you to be the captain? And what do you have, like, what responsibilities and duties do you have? Um, keeping people in line on the field, on... And training sessions, um, you know, if something's not good enough, 
there needs to be a vocal presence to 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 really call out something when you see it, not not remain silent, and let things that are unacceptable continue. Um, I think for the first half of the season, we were we won the first six games in the row or something. I mean, it was as a captain, as a leader, when every when you're winning every game and it's smooth sailing, it's your job's pretty easy. Um, and through the middle of the season, you know, we went through a rough patch, and that was that was more challenging and um, made me make a lot more um, decisions and sort of lead the team. Um, but ultimately, just in training sessions, keeping people in check, and you know, a lot of the young guys, if they're making their professional debut, um, talking them through it so they're not too nervous and making sure we win the game. Now, I remember when I when I first interviewed you, uh, you talked. Uh, I talked to Coach Quill after, and he said you're left footed, right? Like right. Right. And you were playing on the right side as a center back, right? Through the right. moment. How was that transition? You know, uh, you know, playing in a little bit kind of an uncomfortable way of sorts. Yeah, I mean, I had never. I had always played on the left side in the academy because all the other center backs I played with were right footed. So making that transition, I think the first couple games, it was I was still finding my comfort zone I guess um, just the angles and the way your body moves is a little bit different but throughout the season I mean from the start of the season till now I think my right foot has has gotten significantly better um, and the confidence of it too is huge you know mentally being able to rely on your weak foot um, I think that'll help me in the future um, whether I'm playing on the left or the right in the future I think having that as an asset um, is huge so one of the things that that I've, I've talked to Matt Denny and he's he's talked about wanting to keep the like have the team North Texas be like a, a, a miniature FC Dallas. So you get all the same experiences and you get um, a taste of what the li- what life is like whenever you travel or do the things like the first team. Let's talk a little bit about life with North Texas. Um, so. How do y'all travel? Like, what, does it, is it the same way that FC Dallas travels? You get on a bus, get on a plane? Like, yeah, so we, we usually travel with 16 players, so two goalies and then uh, 14 field players. And, yeah, I mean, we take a bus to the airport, fly to wherever we're going. When we get off, when we get off there's a bus waiting for us. Get in the – go to the hotel. The hotels are really nice, you know. There's – Oh, there's meals in the hotel for us. It's, it's, it's professional through and through. Um, I, I really don't have any complaints at all. I mean, it's, 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 it's good. Who's your, who do you room with? Usually Callum. They, they usually set up the, the rooms beforehand on the email. Now, do you all sit on the same side of the, uh, like choose the same bed as the side that you play on the field? No, no. I usually choose the bed by the window actually. (laughs) No, but, um, you know, uh, one of your away games, you know, y'all played Ford Madison, and your your coach played, like when, when Michelle played. Like, what yeah. was your reaction when you found out like your assistant coach is playing in a game? Like, how do you, like, how how, how do you like you know go through that? You're like, uh, okay. Yeah, it was a a little strange in the locker room beforehand, um, with him wearing the uniform and putting on his shoes. Uh, his cleats to go play um and being out there you know he wasn't really as mobile as a lot of the players in the midfield that i'm used to playing with but um i mean it was i'm pretty sure the score was 1-0 or 1-1 at halftime so we were definitely still in the game at halftime i mean with that that says a lot 
Um, yeah, I mean, he, he still has a lot of quality in his old age, and um, <laughs> I think we made the most of it. Yeah. Hey, I think so, Tristan has a right, question. I'm Tristan. I'm. I started with this Dustin. Um, I was curious. So they made a 20-year-old captain. You didn't have to go through any of the rookie hazing. You didn't have to do any of that stuff. Are you getting from the people on FC Dallas who had to go through the hazing as a rookie for being made captain? Um, not, not necessarily. I mean, pretty much the entire North Texas team, we we're all rookies. Like this was pretty much our first professional contract, um, first year in the pros. So, um, I mean, someone had to be captain, right? <laughs> um, you lucked out, right? You right. no, were trying I, to hope that slides under the table and nobody remembers that correct. next year, right? Yeah, um, okay. I don't want to. I think it was a nice way to get out of the rookie hazing, for sure. <laughs> we'll have to let them know the assistant coach that was on the team next season that we may need to bring that back. Yeah, maybe, maybe for next year the, the rookies <laughs> will we'll get them. <laughs> okay, cool. So we got a, a list of of questions about your teammates we'll kind of go down through them all right so so who's who's the the team jester on the north texas sc um probably carlos aviles the goalie He's always making jokes yeah um who's the nerdiest biku bisan from you know that he's on the haiti national team he plays six he's he's actually really really um Nerdy. Nerdy's a really good word. <laughs> I think he's funny. You know, I get along really well with him, but a lot of guys think that he's nerdy. It's fair. Um, so recently there have been some high-profile sports dust-ups, uh, either the, on the England squad fights on, oh, the, on yeah, like the yeah, England yeah. squad or even last night. Um, which one of your teammates would you want with you in a fight? One on my, one on my team on a fight? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and why? I'd probably say Caesar. Caesar's a pretty strong. He's a strong man, so I you, you definitely want him on your court for sure. Which one of y'all is the best at FIFA? Oscar Romero. He plays it all day. All right, but, so, but who's who's the best in the media though? Who's the best in the media though? Uh, you know, I think I've given more interviews than everyone else combined this year. So, I hate to do it, but <laughs> it's gotta be it's gotta be me. Hey, humble brag, humble brag, humble yeah. brag, humble brag. Hey, but 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 okay. You came out. I, I got this question because you know I guess I'm the drip king or something like that. You came out, USL, League One Championship, and wore a pretty nice fit. So who would you call the drip king? Would you say it's you? Uh, I I would give it to maybe Jada. Oh, Jada. Yeah, he's got some interesting fits for sure. Um, where where would you rank yourself? Up there, you know, competing with first place, but not quite. Not quite. No, there's room for improvement. Ooh. So is, is that a hint where we can see it for next year? Perhaps, yeah, perhaps. So I'm, I'm curious, because you are moving, you're, you're going to go play in Arlington next year. So is there any chance that if, say, something happens with the XFL and they run short on players, who on the team might step up and play a doubleheader, right? Play on the 11 and then get on the gridiron? Um, I could... You know, with goalies um, taking punts and goal kicks, I could see Carlos maybe getting subbed in as a kicker or a good shot. Kyle a good shot. or Jimmy, you know. Could you play wide out? Could I? If, if I was called upon, I think I would I would do my best. For That's sure. a captain's answer right <laughs> That's there. That's <it>. what <laughs> I'm called upon. <laughs> All right. Um, 
We got one more question for him, and then if, if any of you all have a question, you can come up and uh, and ask a question. Um, so, just to, to round things off here, what's, what was your favorite moment of the season other than winning the title? That's a tough one, huh? He's thinking. That's a tough one. Um, there was a stretch of the season where we played Chattanooga away from home twice in 10 days, and the first game um like we got a really a red card which was i mean i didn't really think it was a red card you know that's up for debate questionable <laughs> questionable right um so we felt like things were didn't go our way the first time and going back there 10 days later and same field and um you know their fans and their social media and everything there was they thought that they were um something big time because they beat the number one team and we kind of um, took that um, with a chip on our shoulder and you know before the game I was telling the guys how big of a game this is you know making a statement to the league that we that we come back and and get all three points and we ended up winning the game 2-0 and I think that spiraled us into the the last stretch of the season and the postseason into winning ways you know I think we won every single game except for the game in Lansing after that and that was a huge pivotal moment in our season, and I was really proud of the team after the, the game. Excellent. Does anybody else out there have any questions for Breck Evans? Come on, come on up, come on down. Uh, I'm curious, um, with the move to Arlington, like, how do you feel about that? Uh, did you like? Did you guys like playing after the, the the MLS team, or would you? How do you feel about having your own stadium now? That, so. That's a good question. So the way I understand it is we're we're still going to train in Frisco and then play the games in Arlington. And this season, I think, I think in terms of attendance, we got more fans on the days that we didn't play after the the fans because I mean, who, a lot of people in Frisco, the people coming to the games, they don't live in Frisco. So after watching ninety minutes of soccer it's really hard to get i mean especially if you have kids to I, get them to stay again i for the record i stayed after one of those mls games so <laughs> oh, thank I, you, I, yeah. I thought i kind of like that so yeah and you yeah i mean i appreciate it but you, you can see in the stands just how many people were there that it wasn't the best attendance and um the games that we played were we were independent from fc dallas where maybe they had an away game and so we got toyota stadium to our house we had many much more fan support and that's part of the move to arlington is to expand the brand you know to the South Dallas community who are, there's a lot of soccer fans there. Um, so I, I'm really excited for it. I, I got to visit the Globe Life Park and the way that they're renovating it. I mean, the the new stands are going to be really close to the field and it's going to be, they're, they're renovating it. So it's not really a baseball stadium anymore. It's for football and soccer. So I'm, I'm really excited about the move. Um, positive. I mean, I've only heard nothing, anything but good things. So, yeah. And, and one other question. Uh, I know the USL championship uh, matches this weekend. Right. Was there a, would you guys talk about like, man, if we played in, you know, I'm not advocating for promotion or anything, but if we were in that league, that USL championship league, is, was there a team or did you guys get a feel like, man, we, we could we could hold our own there or was that not even discussed? I mean, with within the locker room, it has been discussed, obviously, with our success in League One. Um, I don't think that we would have had nearly the the dominance, you could say, that we had this year. It would be challenged, and maybe the games where there are um, you know, a lot of younger players, the, the championship has 
former MLS players and players from other countries who are a lot who are full-grown adults, much more athletic than what you'll find in League One. So we we definitely could have been exposed. But like you were saying, I think that we could definitely hold our own. You know, mid middle pack contend for mm -hmm. sure, make yeah. playoffs. It would it would be uh, much more challenging. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, we've got to move on. Uh, everybody, let's give a big round of applause to USL League One champion, Captain Breck Evans. Thank you, guys. <laughs>
um, other than maybe an announcement to move to a bigger stadium or something. <laughs> like so, forty thousand seats. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 what, so what do you, so what do you guys think of that? Uh, maybe I'll start with you, Gary. What, what do you, what are your thoughts going into um, year two, uh, new stadium, s- bit more of a separate brand? Well, that's the goal: is to create a, a separate fan base for the club. Obviously, it's difficult being in the uh, Toyota Stadium. You know, it's tough to. It's tough sell saying, hey, do you want to come see the second team play when you can you know, wait a one weekend and go see the first team play? So obviously that's a tough sell going in. But they did all right in terms of attendance, especially in the playoffs. They had a, a good crowd there. But yeah, going forward, it's, it's all about building soccer in the community in North Texas and moving to, a, to Tarrant County. It's, it's kind of all part of that. It's building that brand. Even though it's a separate brand, it's still FC Dallas soccer within North Texas and just kind of spreading that around. So Year two, the goal is to do the same, really win the championship yet again, but also, you know, really become its own thing in, in the Metroplex. So, so from a marketing perspective, you guys set any goals? I mean, as you're going in or, or is it, hey, it's your 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 one in a new stadium. We'll see. That question might be a little bit above my pay grade in terms of goals <laughs> like that. Um, yep. But obviously we want to, you know, make our own mark and kind of you know, just kind of show what even the second team has in terms of talent, in terms of the style of soccer. Because if you, if people who did come to the games, you can attest that North Texas really played the brand of soccer that FC Dallas does as well. But obviously it's against lesser opponents. So you can kind of see that style manifest itself in a more obvious way because they're not, you know, competing against the best in the country. They're competing against the third division rivals. So yeah. you can kind of see a little bit more of what the goal is in terms of stylistically what they want to do. So we want to continue that, but also do it in a, even a, a bigger and better way than we did this year. Now, Dan, you covered uh, North Texas FC for a third degree quite a bit this year. What did you think about the the level of play in this inaugural season of the USL League One? I mean, it was a it was a big question mark coming in. Obviously, FC Dallas, uh, North Texas FC set set their standard, and it was a little bit above the rest of the league. Um, a little disappointing to see Toronto start off so slow, really solid academy, one of the better academies in MLS, and yet, you know, they couldn't adequately provide that step in between like FC Dallas did. Train's over scary. by a train. Uh, you know, Orlando City, well, they're a clown show at the best of times, so, you know, they were par for the course. <laughs> uh, it'll be, you know, it'll be good to see next season with Miami, with... Uh, New England with Rochester Rhinos coming down the year after. Uh, you know, hopefully see that level of play rise And now that there is a benchmark. Gary, what about you? Do, what did you think about the level of play? So, I mean, it's tough going into it. It's a brand new league, uh, brand new teams for the most part, so it's tough to know what to expect. Um, but at the same time, I thought uh, it's not what I expected necessarily, but it's not what I didn't expect at the same time. It Really, it's just tough to know. But some teams had a very obvious style play that they wanted to implement. Some didn't, and that was kind of obvious going out. Uh, at the same time, North Texas kind of went out with, hey, we're going to pass the ball out of the back. We're going to dominate possession. We're going to create chances from the wings. And they showed that throughout, and they kept doing it. So it's, I wouldn't say it's the level of play of the league, but you can see it team to team. That's how I kind of read it. It's more team to team's level of play than in the league itself. It's, I would say it's hard to differentiate the two. Now you mentioned there were some things that you didn't really expect going in. What were the biggest surprises for each one of y'all um, for, from this USL first season? Uh, we'll start with you, Jonathan. The, the biggest surprises? Yeah. 
Uh, I, I would say that, I mean, you would think that uh, running the league would be a surprise, but I, I think even going in, we thought that the level of players that FC Dallas had available, both from the academy as well as uh, a lot of the signings that we had, like Breck, right, who was on here earlier, would allow FC Dallas to play strongly against kind of a brand new league uh, that's just forming. So I think the, I guess the surprise for me was the kind of the, the the amount of experience that we saw from uh, FC Dallas first team players and kind of some of the growth that we saw with uh, like for example a player like uh, like Cervania right who went down um, and used uh, NTSC as a launching pad into a really really good year and I don't know if I, I I don't know if I saw that myself going into the year I thought it'd be really good for academy players maybe somebody that was coming back from an injury. What I didn't expect is that we would see so much rotation between the teams and so many players actually use that um, as a launching pad to actually do better um, for the FC Dallas first team. So I think that was probably the biggest surprise for me. Dan? I mean, I think the most, uh, the biggest and probably most pleasant was was Pepe and, and Ronaldo Damas. Um, yeah, we'd seen Pepe excel at under-17s. We'd seen Damas score double figures at under-19s, but you know, sometimes that's that's an easier level to play at. It's not necessarily getting the elbow off the 30-year-old. Uh, it's not traveling across the country for a game. And and yet they, they did step up. It, it may not have been USL championship level, but it was, you know, it was that launch pad. It was that, that stepping stone. It was what they needed to get them through that next stage. And uh, For me, I'd build off kind of what Jonathan said. Uh, Brendan Cervania is a great example. I'd say what surprised me the most were the uh, the f- first team FC Dallas players who were, uh, you know, like Brandon Savannah, who was a guaranteed first team player. But what he did so well was he came, he was asked to come down to play the first few games in North Texas. And he, he was incredible in it. You know, he had like 98% passing accuracy, something stupidly good. And then he went to the World Cup off of that. And then right after the World Cup, he was a pretty much solidified starter for FC Dallas. That's kind of what surprised me. I didn't expect a player to play a handful of games in North Texas and then just go walk into the FC Dallas first team. That's not what I expected. I expected more to be kind of a Cal Montgomery, like, hey, we just drafted you. We're going to play you in this for the first season, see how it goes. But Brandon really, he started the season with us, then went up to North, went up to FC Dallas and just, like, it really didn't even matter. He just went and did it. Um, another player, John Nelson, started with, started with North Texas, went up to FC Dallas, then got injured, then came back to North Texas for fitness. But going into it, I didn't really expect it to be kind of a a place for first team players to get fitness. I, I saw it more as a, we're developing these players, but it kind of functioned as a, I don't know, a, a testing ground for these players. Be like, hey, get your feet wet and then we're going to throw you into MLS. And they pretty much, hands down, they all they all fared very well going from one level to the next. And that surprised me. So, so Dustin, was your, as you went into this season, is this was this what you expected or were you a bit surprised by something coming out of USL 1? You know, I, I really didn't know what to expect i think so then i think the the thing that was surprising to me is that like that it all just worked out right like it, they said that they wanted to do and then they did it and sometimes that just doesn't work out and and they were able to actually integrate this the first team with this that team with the first team there was there was fluid movement between them there was you know high quality and high cohesiveness on the field that you you could see, and that's not easy to do with that that number that amount of like transitioning between player groups. And can I jump on that point? Let's do it. So, you know, if you've spent any time around the game, 
one thing that every player hates is the reserve team. No one wants to play for it. It's rejection. It's it's the stiffs. It's it's the useless guys. It's, but FC Dallas players are more than happy to play for North Texas. Jimmy Maurer seems to prefer it almost. There's, you know, the, the atmosphere within the squad, both squads together, is just phenomenal. They embraced it. Uh, something that Eric Quill said time and again was, if, if the players who come down from FC Dallas to North Texas look at it as an opportunity rather than ob- obligation, and that's, those are his words, then that's the key. Brandon Cervania looked at it as an opportunity to put himself in the shop window for that U20 World Cup team. We made it, killed it there, went to FC Dallas. There, plenty of players came down. It's all about, if you look at it as, here, here's where I show what I can do and show that I'm ready for the next step. And if you do that, then you're going to move up. And Lucci proved that time and again with players like John Nelson, like Brandon. And it's it's less so, hey, you're in the doghouse. It's more, hey, we want to see what you can do in the field and the, on, when you're playing the game in front of fans. Let's Can you do it at MLS level? This is the testing ground. Go prove it. And that's, that's something that's really great about both teams. And it definitely shows when you speak to guys like Edwin Cerillo and Thomas Roberts. You know, those uh, teenagers who had a chase. Thomas Roberts. Teenagers have had a taste of the first team and then suddenly they're out. And it's it's not that, again, that feeling of rejection. It's not, oh, you failed as a player. It's turn it around, prove yourself, get back in there. It's an opportunity. Yeah, and, and that's actually really good to hear because uh, that there's that attitude. Because if you saw, I mean, I, I think in some ways it was actually an advantage for a lot of players. If take, take someone like Ja'Cory Hayes. Um, who sat on the bench for quite a while with FC Dallas, didn't get playing time. And when he did play, he actually looked pretty rusty for the first team. And it seemed like actually having him go down and play for NTSC really helped his confidence and actually made him a better play at the end of the year. So Ja'Cory is a great example of that. I should have mentioned him along with Brandon because Ja'Cory is probably, he's a prime example. He, he was a all-time FC Dallas player. He never played for one in Texas. When he came down, he obviously he dominated the midfield in League One. But then later on, when he came on and subbed on, uh, I think it was late on in Seattle, probably the toughest place to go in MLS, he subbed on, he helped close out that clean sheet, earned the nil-nil draw for FC Dallas. And you can see he was much more up to the speed of play because he he played, I think, two or three games on the bounce for North Texas. So it's it's such an advantage for FC Dallas to have this outlet for players to be like, hey, you know, you're, you're gonna, we might need you here in the next three weeks, but let's get you this real game time right now and have you ready for it. And that's something that you can't have without a professional second team. And so it's a huge advantage just having the club have a second franchise within it. Yeah. So, so speaking of players that are stepping up, Dan, I mean, who, were there pe- people that were part of NTSC that stood out to you? You know, some of the NTSC players that were, you know, signed and, and, and obviously you, m- you mentioned Pepe who Honestly, I, I, I forgot he was in TSC to start out with. Um, but, you know, for some of the other players, uh, like, you know, Breck, who's here with us tonight and others, was there any people, anyone that stood out to you? I mean, obviously, uh, Arturo from graduating out of the academy, going off and then coming back. Uh, fantastic to see. Uh, Breck as well. Uh, I'm trying to think who beyond that. I've got one who's a little bit We're further talking down the about pipeline. Him. We're Jonathan talking about Gomez played a, a lot of games for FC Dallas at left back. He's he got in the U16 national team, scored a great goal recently. While he might not be moving up the next year because he's still just 16 years old, but that guy proved that at 15 when he first started with North Texas, and at 16 he's easily capable of playing at that level in the third division. And that just speaks to you know give him two or three years from now, that's going to be an MLS level player. I think when when you look at the academy, you know you've got. Under 17s moving to under 19 to cover North Texas players. You've got under 15s moving, uh, sorry, under 16s moving to under 17s, and the under seven, the current under 17s are, you know, they're kind of 
getting beaten around a bit because, you know, they're a year or two younger. But next year, they're going to feel the benefit of playing a year above. And, and then they're going to go on to under-19. They're going to dominate that. It's, uh, you know, it's not just a case of waiting around, waiting for the current under-15s here are the world beaters. It's, it, it's really everyone is moving up and everyone's going to benefit on the, in the long run. I agree. And even though that might prevent FC Dallas from winning more youth titles, as they've done many times, because the very best players have been signed to professional contracts, whether that be North Texas or FC Dallas, it's more impressive to win a USL League One championship, in my opinion, than it is to win a DA title, in my opinion, if it's all with academy players, which essentially it was. And so I spoke to Dan Hunt about this earlier in the week. I asked, is North Texas winning USL League One the most impressive thing that... that the FC Dallas organization has done from a player development standpoint, and he kind of disagreed. He said it was a jewel in the crown of the FC Dallas Academy because, I mean, they've won, you know, the Dallas Cup group. They've won multiple DA titles. But in my opinion, one of the most impressive thing is taking those kids to the next level, being like, hey, you're going to with people who are their career is to play soccer. Go and compete with them and see how it goes. And, and they did. They, I mean, they ran the league, let's be honest. They, they went and did it, and they showed what they were worth. 100%. All right, so the, the season is, is over. There, it sounds like they're, Greg just said that they're still still training. But we've seen on Instagram, we've seen Alpha Sandy Jana. It looks like he's out in Leesburg, Virginia, maybe uh, joining Luton United or whatever. Luton Town. L- not we'll Luton. take him. No. Oh, okay. Um, so so what? how does the offseason work for North Texas SC? Is there a free agency? Is there a trade window? Like, well, How does that work? That's a great question. So this is my first time doing this. This is everyone's first time doing this for League One. Um, at the end of the month, we'll have an announcement of which of which contracts are being extended, which players are coming back, which players are letting letting go. But right now, that's still all kind of in flux. I mean, it's a it's a reserve team after all, so it's going to be a lot of turnover with any second team. Um, but there's definitely going to be a lot of players who who remain here next season. But there's also going to be a lot of new faces, no matter what. Excellent. So I did have a question actually. You know, we know on a game day, uh, Coach Quill finds out like on a Thursday which players he can deal with. How late in terms of acquisitions does he does he have to wait? Yeah, usually he finds out the team on that Thursday or Friday, the essentially two days or one day before oh, the game. I just mean like going forward, like does he have to wait until Lucci and, and uh, Andre and Marco have kind of set the FC Dallas roster and figure out who's going to drop down on the regular and then go from there, fill in the gaps? Or I can't say I'm privy to those conversations, but uh, that it's Quill does not decide who which players are going to be extended as far as I know. That's, that's a much bigger discussion between the club, Eric, all everybody. So that's, that's a much more involved thing than just Eric saying, hey, I want this player. It's going to be him. It's a much more involved question with, you know, with, the, with the club, with Chris Hayden, with the development team, with all that. So Truthfully, I don't. I don't know, but it's it's not one man's decision. It's not anybody's decision. It's it's a whole. You know, it's it. A lot goes into that. So I'm not entirely sure to be honest. And actually, you mentioned Chris Hayden. I mean, I feel like he's kind of one of the young sung saviors of the whole thing. You know, he was he was the first coach for the academy, and you know, to oversee the youth section as the uh, the VP, and then kind of fill Lucci's shoes when Lucci moved up to first team manager. It's, you know, he doesn't. He probably doesn't get the credit he deserves overall. Probably not. No, I mean, he he's one of the major guys behind the scenes. There's no doubt about it. That guy is in charge of a lot of things, controls a lot of things. He's a very smart person, knows what he's doing, been doing it for years and years. 
And so, yeah, a lot goes through a lot goes through to, through him in terms of those decision making. But I don't know exactly, you know, player to player. I, I really can't, can't speak to that. Does anybody in, in the audience have any questions for our two experts here? Yes, the accent's real. <laughs> anybody? Five. Nobody. All righty. Well, uh, that's gonna do it. Michael's Yo, gone. Michael. Whoa. Michael uh, Rodriguez. I'm sorry, right? you, you, miss, you missed the, Ramirez, the deadline. Ramirez, my bad. Sorry. What's going on, y'all? Yeah. You talked on the What's side. What's going on, y'all? Social uh, media superstar. Yeah, Mike Ramirez, social media for FC Dallas. Just want to ask you, how far will Ricardo Pepe go in his potential? I want to hear your thoughts. I, I think that was a question for Dan. I <laughs> think it was for Dustin. It was for Amon. <laughs> Why not both? He's going to be a world-class player. He's going to be a world-class player, no doubt about it. And that's my opinion, but I'm just saying it, throwing it out there. Well, let me ask you this. Do, do you think that he goes farther with his potential than Jesus Ferrer does? That is a tough question, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the thing about the thing about yeah, the thing about Jesus is is he a nine? <laughs> is he a ten? It, it's tough to say. The thing about Pepe is you know he's a number nine. He's going to be number nine. Will he be the U.S.'s number one, number nine going forward? In my opinion, he will be. But I'm also very, very, very biased, so <laughs> it's tough to say. I mean, Pepe does have some European clubs sniffing around for a good reason. He's His sailing is insane. Yep. All righty. Well, that's going to do it for part one of our review show. Uh, thanks, everybody, for coming out. Thanks to Breck Evans, Garrett Breck. Melser, Garrett Melser, Dan Crook, and thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter as at Dallas Soccer Show and online at DallasSoccerShow.com. Watch your apps for part two. FC Dallas interview is coming soon. Ta-da. Ta-da.